Welcome back to Many Windows, the podcast about education for anyone interested in education. My name is John Cassie, and I'm joined as always by my dear friend and co-host. Jennifer McGlemory. Good to see you, John. Hello, Jennifer. You're home. No one can I am home. Right. I rushed home so that I could plug in my good microphone so that our sound quality would be better on this episode. Right. And uh, we're, we're recording almost 30 minutes late from our intended start time because, as you know, dear listener, the moment you attempt to accomplish anything in technology because you need it right now, it's not going to happen. Uh, exactly. But we figured it out and all is now, all is now well. Um, so, Jennifer, we're in week three now of COVID considerations. Why are we doing this series? So we wanted to capture this moment in time and really um, talk to different people to hear their perspectives of what it's like working in a school or being in a school during a pandemic. Hopefully this will never happen again in our lifetime, but uh, we really believe that there are lessons to be learned uh, from this distance learning, and we are forced to be experiencing it. And so we have just selected a different person each week to talk to in the moment. This is our quickest turnaround of any of our um, episodes. Usually right. we spend quite a bit of time. John edits it. We, particularly the first half of our series, we were really doing a lot of editing with that. This is about talking to people, turning around, getting it out the same day so that it's really in the moment. And um, to that end, our guest today is Villiers Schrupp, who is the Director of Library Media and Information at TVT Community Day School in Irvine, California, who I've known for a long time now since we work at the same school. Villiers is also the president this year of SoCalis, which is the Southern California Independent School Librarians Professional Association. And Villiers, welcome to Many Windows. Thank you for having me. Delighted to have you. I, and since we started this, I'm like, I've got to find a way to get Valir on this show <laughs> because you, you bring so many really valuable perspectives on almost a daily basis to the work that we do uh, with a big TK through 12 community that draws kids from all over, you know, from all over Orange County. And, and um, our, our work, our focus is often on questions related to social emotional learning and uh, um, you know, building social emotional skills. And now that we're in this unique, you know, once in a century kind of time, uh, we've talked about it even more. And in the context of really trying to figure out what we think some of the best pathways are and what are the best strategies, right? So, um, you know, I'm I'm curious, Valir, what you think about the the need right off the top for a really clear focus on social emotional learning you know in schools and some tips strategies perspectives for for faculty during this time so i mean as you as you and i have talked about this at great length but you know for me there is no learning without social emotional learning so it really is like the backbone to everything that we do with with students um because if 
they're not, if they are un, unable to recognize their value, their place, their feelings, and how to navigate that, then the rest of the learning just doesn't take shape. So I've always had the lens as a librarian, you know, of an integrated approach to SEL. And when I'm talking about SEL or social emotional learning, I'm really looking about it from the perspective of how do people connect to self and how do people connect to other people and the world that they live in. So all of my work really centers, has always centered around that. And then the branching out with teachers, it's, it's that same, same lens and focus of conversation is how are we connecting, right? How are we building relationships? How are we helping students and faculty to be seen, heard, and valued? Um, and SEL is at the heart of, of that every single time, right? So all of those skills of, you know, of identifying the emotions of how do I navigate this really complex situation? Um, and how do I apply that for the next time that that comes around, uh, comes into play every single day, right? Like we live. So SEL is not the magic wand. SEL is the skill set that we need to help us to practice how to navigate life. And within that comes learning, right? So how do, how do I do academically can really be strongly linked to how I feel. And if I'm feeling in a really awful place, guess what I'm not doing academically? I'm not connecting. So building those relationships in the best of times, but most certainly right now is, is crucial. It's critical because um, we're all, all in a really rough place. Students you know, ebb and flow in and out of rough places, faculty ebb and flow in and out of rough places right now because we're trying to figure out how to navigate this constantly changing, uncertain world that we're living in. And we're all at different places with that. And every day someone's in a different place and you never know what that trigger is going to be that's going to be like, and today the world fell apart. Oh, today the world is great. So, <laughs> right. right. you know, and I think there's something about this pandemic that is a great equalizer. Because I think if you work in any school where there is poverty, um, and particularly the school that I work in where we have pockets of poverty and pockets of wealth, a lot of the, I find our teachers have not lived in an experience of poverty and they don't always understand what our kids might be going through on a daily basis. And now all of a sudden, everybody has this new normal, which is fraught with anxiety and change and not knowing what's going to come next, which is for some of our kids in poverty have always lived th that way. They don't know if, you know, the, the internet or the electricity or whatever is going to be on. And suddenly now our teachers are thrown into that experience. And I'm starting to hear some of them talk a little bit more empathetically Mm -hmm. In this situation, and this is what I'm hoping is going to be a lesson that will be learned that we will carry out of this. A hundred percent. I absolutely agree with that. Um, when we allow ourselves to, to find like these pathways of connecting, right? It does lend to being more empathetic. However, like that's something you have to practice every day. Like not every human being is wired that way to be on the extra empathetic side, Right. And that, that's the whole point of SEL. You have to practice every day doing and being and, oh, my gosh, this new situation just came up. How do I apply the skills that I have to this situation so I can navigate it? 
Um, and it's not easy, right? Like the best of the best at SAL still will falter with, you know, just depending on the situation. And I think right now with the pandemic, we're definitely finding ourselves in, in that position, both a position to be empathetic, but also a position to lean in and to embrace each other as community members to say, we're having this shared experience. Here's my story and my lens with that. What is your story? What is your lens with it? And how can we provide support? How can we build upon each other's skills? I mean, you know, and now that students are back in the mix with us to, to go through this again, you know, in, in, in education, whether they're face-to-face -face or they're distant or a hybrid model of any of that, being able to take that time at the beginning of this year to not push content, to really start with who are you? I want to get to know you. Uh, let, let's do some check-ins. Let's do some get to know you's, whether it's silly questions from a would you rather book, whether it's a, a chart that has emotional, you know, emotion emojis, um, whether it's a, a glows and grows, however you want to do that. Take those, take those really basic pieces of, of how to get to know and to start to build culture and climate within your classroom and then use that as the platform to continue to connect throughout that class, throughout your classes of not just the one-off, oh, I did, you know, we did our one check-in, we're good. No, 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 like, hey, I'm noticing you put up a, a, a so-so face, like, or you're feeling really tired or you're feeling really excited. Um, maybe offline, can we dive a little more deeply with that? Is there what support do you need? So there's this level of empowerment too. Like we don't wanna just spoon feed the, oh, let me come in and fix it all for you. No, let's partner to express how I can help you build skills, but like show you that I care and I'm connected and what support, what, how can I, what can I do, what do you need? Yeah, and certainly in my experience, and you know, J Jennifer, I'm sort of curious if you share this read from your lens as a principal, right? But my own, my own lens as a principal, having been a principal and been in various, you know, leadership positions in schools is that teachers are, as professions go, low on the, let me express the ways in which I'm vulnerable right now, right? And I always felt as a principal and feel sort of as a senior leader that that's not something that I'm afforded the opportunity to be. You know, I don't feel as a principal that I could ever be publicly vulnerable, right? Um, and I think that that's something that maybe this era, if we look at it from the perspective of, it's an opportunity to be able to see the world through other people's lenses to share perspectives, right? And I think that for for teachers being in a situation where you're just gonna be publicly vulnerable is actually cathartic. I'm just sort of curious what you think. You know, what's interesting is I'm finding that parents have been so appreciative and quick to email us, me, uh, say thank you, say how great everything is going, more so than any other year. I feel like parents have, have really gone out of their way to tell us what a great job we're doing. And we all feel like we are learning 
this as we go, right? I, I, I've said to parents of sixth graders, and we, we say this all the time, like, I feel like a first-year principal. You know, mm -hmm. my teachers feel like first-year teachers, no matter how experienced they are. I think that's another equalizer. We mm -hmm. are all learning our way through this. And with the technology, you know, I think some of the teachers are a little bit flipped, too, in that the kids in their class know the technology better than they do. And it's been so cute. I've been in um, class sessions where this has happened. And I've had it happen when I was on a, uh, working with a group of kids where you know something's going wrong and the kids are, are unmuting going, oh, try this, do this. You know, they walk, the kids are walking us through how to fix these issues that we're having with technology time and time again. So suddenly, um, you know, that, the, that relationship of expert and learner has been, a has been flipped and the teachers, because it's not their subject area where they're used to being the expert, because mm -hmm. it's this new terrain, I see that the teachers even are okay with this in a way that they might not be if a student is popping off about something uh, in, in their subject area, if that makes sense. Absolutely. You know, I think one of the greatest gifts I have is from being a librarian and being a librarian across multiple grade levels and ages and working with all divisions is the gift of being able to not be the expert in everything and yeah. and yet still being able to stress the importance of building welcoming inclusive environments and showing professional vulnerability right? Like you're just not revealing every pieces of your life, but right. yeah, <laughs> you, right, right. you, you give and you ebb a bit so that you can be more human. And in your ability to be more human, I have found that I, I am able to build a more welcoming, inclusive environment for my students faster. I build relationships faster because I authentically care about who they are as a human being first, then as my student, and they come to know and trust in that relationship. And I can do that anywhere. I can do it online, I can do it face-to-face. -face. It's easier face-to-face, because -face I'll see you more often. But right. I also come from the perspective of sometimes I only see students once a week for 30 minutes. That's actually not a lot of time to build relationships. So it becomes crucial that everything I do is all about building those SEL skills. And I think that holds true in the classroom. You might not have a ton of time to give to a pro, an SEL program, but there are still these wonderful things that you can do that help you to be seen as a vulnerable, human, caring human being, you know, that is a learner as well, especially during this time. But so your students can also feel seen, heard, and valued and building those skills because you're modeling it. And there is no greater gift of, than modeling what SAL looks like on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think right now is an amazing opportunity to do that. So whether it is the book that you choose to read and the dialogue you have around that book with the SEL components and like, well, what does that look like in, you know, in, in, this, in this situation, working with this kind of friends? How might you handle that situation, right? You're building SEL skills in that conversation, whether anybody realizes it or not. Because then 
a situation, a real life situation happens, you're like, hey, remember when we read that book? Like, that's kind of like this right now, it feels a bit, right? So like, what, how, how can we connect? And like, for the youngest of children, like, that's an amazing thing to be able to help to pull from. Um, for older kids, that dialogue of like, you're not just lecturing to me, like you're authentically helping me connect with this situation and, and role model, like what that should be, or you're just hearing me. You're just, you're just someone who's listening to understand, you know, and helping me to process what feelings and emotions are so that I can later on learn to navigate that on my own. Um, it's, it's all in like the integrated intentional work and it's subtle. It's the subtle everyday things. Yeah. It's, it's that subtlety that can be hard sometimes to realize, oh, am I actually doing this? Absolutely. Right. Am I being successful? Mm -hmm. uh, and harder still mediated through a screen. About a hundred percent. Right. So if you don't have lots of practice in SEL, I would say this to teachers. First, you have to start, you have to start with yourself. You have to start with like where that comfort level is. And I would suggest, you know, try, like there's lots of, of, of activities you can do to help you build relationships. If it's just not in your wheelhouse and you haven't done a lot of that kind of thing before, there's plenty of free programming out there to just like pull some ideas from and it start there. Like start, start simple, start small. Um, the other piece is to really work on your ability to listen, to understand and to know that what you might perceive as something that's easy to do or like, oh, why aren't you getting this? We got to move through content. Kids just might not be connecting the same way. And that's okay. Cause that's life. Like there's plenty of times as adults, we have these interactions and you're, you don't give it a second thought. You're like, yeah, okay. That's just like the way it is. But with kids, we have these warped expectations of like, that they should have it all together and just do what you're told. And no, that's like, how are, how are we empowering our children and our students if we don't give them these opportunities to express like, yeah, I know you said that should take five minutes, but guess what? I'm not connecting. I'm not connecting. And that's not like you being a bad teacher. It's me just like, for whatever reason, this isn't hitting right now. And that, that is so vulnerable on both ends, right? Yeah. The ability to be vulnerable, to say, I'm not connecting. I'm self-advocating now to hear your students say, I'm not connecting. <laughs> how, how can I, how else can we ebb and flow? And that's, I mean, that takes practice, but that's true then of any conversation I've had with parents at, during this time for SEL building skills, when they're home with their kids and they, yeah. they now find themselves in the, in a teaching coach, in a teaching coaching position, like a learning coach position now. And they're, they're falling apart. I've had yeah. so many conversations with parents recently about how hard this is because like, but I'm still their parent. And like, we, it's this battle of, of, you know, really of, I'm parent and it is, it is. Yeah. And so what I have been, what I've been sharing out to the, you know, to the families and parents is press pause. Because if you're locked in this battle with each other, guess what's not happening? You're not building quality parent-child relationships and they're not learning. So you need to press pause and maybe you need to find this medium of where, what are the expectations? Here's our, the roles that we have as child and parent, but now I need to add to be a coach right now for you. 
and I want you to be successful and this is learning time. So what does that need to look like for us? Like right here, right now. And how, what agreements can we then have to stick to that? And it's much the same as if we're in the classroom, right? Building these expectations and, and agreements with our students. Well, now we're doing it with teacher child and teacher child parent, right? Because we're all partnered now or at least most of us are in like some way, shape or form. So being able to truly have each other's back and say, well, here's, the, here's what we're talking about at home as to how we're setting expectations and building these SEL skills, right? And there's students feel empowered. They feel like they have say and buy into some of this. And then how, um, what, how can that be mirrored in the classroom too, whether the virtual classroom, hybrid classroom? Yeah. We all, we, we all need a state of grace. Absolutely. Right. Um, of giving each other a break. Right. Mm -hmm. And one way to do that, I, I mean, I, I think your point about, about saying, you know, we have to have some agreed upon frameworks, how we're going to do this. Right. Um, certainly in class, kids like to know what the contract is. Mm -hmm. Right. And parents don't often think of that as a strategy parenting strategy, right? And as they have not done teaching in any kind of formal way and they find themselves carrying some of that water, it's like, oh my word, I, you know, I feel like I'm just holding on as a parent and I'm failing them as a teacher. I don't know how you, teacher X, do any of this because I don't see it, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. I had a conversation with a parent today where she was concerned that she was over supporting her sixth grader. So our school starts with sixth grade, they're brand new. And she was, she says, you know, I have to prompt him a lot. Um, he doesn't have the executive functioning skills, you know, of organization and time management and all of these things. And all of my parent friends or, you know, she was on some horrible parent forum or something where they were like, right. Oh no. And, in sixth grade, they should have these executive functioning skills, you know, and she was finding that she was having to really support her son in this. I mean, it's week three of sixth grade. Okay. So I, I said, right, right, right. absolutely. This is what we do in school throughout middle school. It takes us three years to teach them when we get, because in elementary school, they're coming from one teacher all day. Who's constantly reminding, reminding, prompting, prompting, you know, all day. Okay, they get it. Then they go to middle school where they can have up to six teachers a day who all have different expectations and different requirements that they have to navigate. Right. And uh, I said, it, it, you know, our whole goal in middle school from sixth to eighth grade is to get them ready to be independent learners in high school. This does not happen the first month of school. And absolutely what you are doing at home is what we are doing in the classroom that you just never knew how many times the teacher is coming by and tapping, you know, a student's right. desk or checking in or all the things because absolutely they need that externalized executive functioning skills because they haven't internalized them yet. And that's what we as adults do and we provide that structure for them. Absolutely. Well, that and I think it's important to, to have reasonable and fair expectations for self. And then like the work, children aren't all in the same places, whether 
you know, whether it's a high school student, a middle school student, or an elementary, like they're all in different places with, with various skill sets, right? And that's not less than, it's just where they're at. Um, and so being able to, to have that amazing dialogue to say, you're spot on, it's good. Um, you're right where you need to be becomes important because there's so much noise out there. There's so many varied perspectives that can really make you start to like question yourself and like, oh gosh, do I really know what I'm doing? Um, maybe I'm failing as a parent. I'm failing mm -hmm. as a student. I'm failing as an educator. Look at all these amazing things people are doing. Why can't I do that? And we just have to press pause on that noise to stop the self talk, the self doubt talk and to shift to, I am a work in progress. Like we're right where we need to be. And if we're not where we need to be, that's where the amazing partnership comes in to say, like, I think this should be further along, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. So can, can we conference about that? Um, that becomes so important. Our ways to connect with one another um, is crucial right now. I think it's one of the most critical pieces we can do and critical for modeling for our students that it's okay to not know, but how do we work through that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanna make sure before we wrap up, I would I'd ask Valer if she could just share a couple of resources that she loves for um, SEL learning, for parents, for teachers, if you know someone wanted to learn more about this, how to do a better job, where should they go? Hmm. Okay, so there's an organization called Castle um, that kind of is like keeps the pulse on all things SEL. And they're a decent place to start if you are just beginning this journey or if you're an expert in the journey and you just want to like touch base with, with like-minded people. They'll have lots of different resources um, out there. Um, there's also a good number of diversity and inclusivity um, organizations that are connecting SEL work to that. So like there's Facing History and Ourselves that is combining the, what does an inclusive environment look like with SEL skills? Because at the end of the day, they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> you don't have one without the other in any of this. Um, so those are, those are some good, Definitely good starting points. Um, and Castle is just so rich with so much information. I definitely, when I was going through my leadership, SEL leadership program, um, I, we were constantly referencing like the-, the Is that C-A-S-L? C-A-S-S-E-L, uh, -S -S I think. I swore it had a K. It might have, I think it had a K. Uh, yeah. Hold on. Oh, oh, this is oh my God! The best, the best radio was when three guests with the combined seventy-five years. No, of no, 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 no! It's can't C figure out a spelling. It's C A S E L. Okay. Okay. Thank you. It'll be in the show notes, people. It'll be in the show notes. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, Valeria, one of the things that you've seen me do, and that I don't know that we've done it together, but I know I've done it with you, um, is critical friends, mm -hmm. and for teachers looking to work together in ways that maybe they haven't in the past, it can be hard to know how to do that. And what's great about Critical Friends is that it provides, you can go online to criticalfriends.org, I think is what it is. It'll be in the show notes. Um, or 
elsewhere and find dozens of Critical Friends protocols that can help you structure conversations for professional growth that by the nature of the, the way they feel artificial are actually potentially very provocative, very profoundly uh, uh, helpful. Um, yeah. Another good resource for that, for having those kind of converse, like courageous conversations, it's called Courageous Conversations is a resource. Um, and that's a great way to get started as to like, look at where you're at in the process, um, where you want to go, and what kind of conversations or dialogue or, or other training you might need to have courageous, compassionate conversations about not just SEL, but about, you know, inclusivity and really learning how to incorporate multiple lenses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, into uh, the work that you do. So we're, we're coming up on, on our end time here. Bill, there any last points that you want to raise or bring forward? Last resources, perspectives, or you feel like, you know, look. I want to ask yeah, really go, quick. Tell us how your job is different or what you're doing differently as a librarian uh, in distance learning. Oh my. Well, actually a lot, a lot has changed and yet some things have not. So I've always been big on working towards integration and collaboration. That's the heart of the work I do and I continue to do that. I'm just finding different ways of connecting with people that I can't see face to face on an everyday basis. So it's pushing out emails or like putting together, like making sure the newsletter that we put together is like, you know, is robust, really trying to like put those feelers out of like, hey, we're still here and we can help you. <laughs> you are not alone. <laughs> Let's partner. Um, but that's the root of, that's the root of library work. Like whether it's school librarians or public librarians or whatever other library, you know, industry that you're in, you're always looking to connect with community. Like that's the heart of the work we do. So like for that part, it hasn't changed at all. Like we're just having to do it in a different way slightly, which may be in a Zoom call and maybe showing up to meetings a little more often to say, we are part of this community too and we're here to listen and support. Um, yeah. yeah. Alir Shrup, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great conversation. Uh, I hope that people get a lot of takeaways to bring forward into their own practice. Uh, and, um, and Jennifer, next week we're talking to a student, correct? That's right. High school student who's got a lot of opinions. Really? A high school student with a lot of opinions. I find that Surprise. shocking. <laughs> shocking. Right? The only one in the whole of Southern California. I, I scoured. Scoured the right. Took district. days of research to find this kid, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, look, I can't wait. Uh, yeah, I, I thought we really need a perspective from a student. You know, we're reaching out to all the, like, what is it like to be a student in this? What's going well? What's what's going terrible? But, you know, really, I think there we keep finding out that there are some surprises. And that's what we want to hear from a student, their perspective on that. Can't wait. Uh, so, Valir, again, thank you. I hope that uh, as we make sense of this world a little bit that uh, we might have you come back on, share some revised perspectives or evolved perspectives as you, you know, 
as you do what you do and as we do it together. And, um, and folks, thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week with the student perspective. Thanks so much for listening. Bye, John. Bye, Valer. Bye. Bye. Bye.